Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is another edition of Gabriel's Trumpet for Saturday of the first week of Lent. Our reading this morning comes to us by way of the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. In our reading this morning, uh, a continuation of Hebrews, uh, the theme of the Word of God and the importance of God's Word and the speciality of God's Word, like no other human word, continues from what we talked about yesterday. The writer to the Hebrews says, God's Word is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, it penetrates and divides, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the reflections and thoughts of the heart. Nothing is concealed from him. All lies known and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must render an account. Oh goodness, here we go. Now, no doubt, many will begin to think that, well, here comes the judgment, here comes the condemnation, the rejection, the banishment, the damnation. And therefore, there is a kind of temptation, I suppose, to stop right there and move on to something else. Well, the writer to the Hebrews does move on to something else. And it is a filling out of what was said in this first section, which is important. The Word of God is not a dead word. It's living and effective. The Lord never speaks a word that is not fulfilled, that does not run its course and reach its goal, one way or the other. It will either be accepted or rejected. It will flourish and bring forth a great harvest, or it will be neglected, languish, and die. That's true of the Word of God. We can sit in church day after day, Sunday after Sunday. We can even read the Word of God in our own rooms, in our own private time of communion with uh, the Lord. And the Word can languish there. We don't carry it forth into our everyday lives. Or it can be that living, effective word in our lives. It's always living and effective. The question is whether it's in our lives. But then, when nothing is hidden, nothing is concealed, everything is exposed to him, that's when we begin our, our feelings of anxiety and fear rise. But then the writer to the Hebrew says this, and this is important why it's always, always crucial to, to read a section to its completion. Because what has just been said is true. Now the writer to the Hebrews continues since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, 
that is Jesus Christ. He's passed through the heavens and become incarnate in Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus in the crib, Jesus of the public ministry. Jesus who will take upon himself our sins and guilt so that we may be forgiven and washed clean and be reconciled to God the Father. This is what the writer goes on to say. Hold fast to our profession of faith, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Notice that, please, because that's really crucial. We do not have a high priest, Jesus Christ, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, became our flesh, totally and completely human, totally and completely human, so that he can sympathize with our weakness, sympathize with our weakness. But we have one who was tempted in every way, yet never sinned. He was tempted. We remember the first Sunday of Lent. Turn the stones to bread. Jump off the temple and show that you're the Son of God and the angels will save you. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, power and glory, earthly kind. And Jesus rejected all of those, turned all of those away, as we know from last Sunday. Jesus was tempted. Jesus is tempted on the cross. If you are the Son of God, come down. Show yourself, prove yourself. And if Jesus had done that, he would have been unfaithful to the Father. For at, just before he breathes his earthly last, Jesus says, It is finished. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Jesus dies a real human death. And so he rises, fully human and fully alive, fully glorified, which is our hope of glory. In his humanity and divinity, we are saved. Therefore, we can go to God. We can go to the high priest through Christ who sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. It's not a question of hiding, for all is known. Nothing can be concealed. But it's not that we receive condemnation and rejection. Just the opposite. Heaven rejoices. The angels celebrate for the one repentant sinner. Then over the 99 who have no need of repentance. The words of Jesus. So we can lay bare who we are, what we have done, our failings, our sins, our weaknesses, because you have someone who understands. But Jesus does more than understand. He's not, he's not just a sympathetic friend. 
He is someone who can heal, restore, and raise the glorified life. That, that's so powerful. That's so important. We don't have to walk around and live every day with sin and guilt. We don't have to hide like Adam and Eve when they sinned. We were afraid, Adam says, so we hid ourselves as if God doesn't see. We can come forward and say, into your hands, I commend my spirit as it is because when I do that, your mercy and forgiveness will bring me to what I was meant to be. More than sympathy, it's restoration, mercy, and grace. For that's where we live. We live under grace, not condemnation. And so the section ends with these words. So let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and favor and to find help in time of need. How, how uplifting, how true. It's not simply a nice thought. It's not simply a kind of spiritual placebo with no real effect. I mean, it makes us feel good for the moment, or we think it is. It's a reality, the reality, that we can confidently approach the throne of grace. Not merit, not what we deserve, not because of our virtue or our goodness, but because of our need, and receive mercy and favor and find help in time of need. We have a God who loves us, who knows us, for whom nothing is hidden. But through mercy and favor, through grace, we can be restored, renewed and strengthened. For Jesus carries our burdens, our sins, our guilt, and takes it to the cross. So in this holy season, the season of traveling with Jesus as his disciple to the holy city of Jerusalem, let us come as we are, for Jesus will bring us to what we were meant to be in his death and resurrection. Let us avail ourselves of the sacrament of penance. Let us, from our heart, repent of our sins. And with the aid of God's grace and our cooperation, we may repent and reform the life that has been entrusted to us. And then we enter into the true life that God's love has meant for us from the beginning. God bless you.